Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I wanted to talk today a little bit about how much video I've been editing. I don't know if you're in this position, but now, at least this year, the set of years, these decades, maybe what I, my work is, but I seem to be editing more and more video as it comes through. And I guess that's just part of uh, media and expansion as you sort of move on into time. And, I, you know, obviously I've talked about being a photographer and uh, working on photos and media stuff. So it'd be kind of expected that I would work on that stuff a lot or a lot professionally. But really, I mean, just personally, I just mean like on my phone or with other tools or with GoPros or with other systems like that, I seem to be shooting and saving a lot more high quality, high resolution video. Like I was talking about these 5.2K files I was getting off of uh, one of the cameras I was shooting with. And you think like, oh man, that's a huge amount of data. All that to save. So I just went out and I bought another four terabyte drive to save really just video files, video projects. And another part of that is like the Final Cut uh, 10.4 system that I'm using. I want to talk to you guys about, do you use Final Cut? Do you use Adobe Premiere? Do you use some other kind of editing tool? Some other conversation to have, I bet, at a time. But I guess for this conversation, it's interesting to see how much more video is coming into our phones, into our lives, over our phones. You know, like I remember just, what, 10 years ago, I was thinking about how unreal it was to put up and publish so much HD video every day when we think about our Facebook stories, our Snapchat stories, the Instagram stories. That's all like video content driven up by everybody and everybody's phone in HD just about all the time every day. So it's coming into that, you know, just such a, a heavy visual data world where we're getting so much more high quality, but, you know, so much more, I guess, rich media content than we had ever before. So interesting how that goes. But what I'm noticing is, man, somebody's got to be around to edit all of that. And it turns out, I guess I'm getting some of that, some of that remainder as it goes. So you can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. I wanted to, to touch in today and talk about a trip that I just uh, just finished up going on um, out, to, out to Central Oregon over to the high desert area. Uh, in, in Eastern Oregon, I guess it's Eastern Oregon, kind of over near the, the Bend area. We went up to Smith Rock this uh, last week and did some camping out over there. Had a great time. It was, uh, it was pretty nice, but we did the uh, the hike over there at Smith Rock, and uh, I guess I wanted to do just a, a kind of short podcast about about the area over by uh, by Smith Rock, some of the hiking that you can do, and, uh, and some of the, the trip and photo stuff that we were working on over there. But, uh, but yeah, had a great time heading over to Smith Rock, took off for a uh, pretty quick easy weekend trip you know what's great about uh, living here in oregon on like the i-5 corridor is uh you could just kind of jump over to eastern oregon over over the cascade pass which is definitely a track and a drive it's different than, uh, than just being on the freeway but uh it's uh, pretty cool yeah jumping over the highways and getting over kind of into the the back country in the cascades and then heading over over the pass and then down into the high desert area of uh, of eastern oregon over there so yeah i went through sisters headed over to terrebonne and then uh, went into the Smith Rock State Park area. And really, man, the thing I, I guess I should say is, yeah, Smith Rock is just world-class camping or a hiking area. You really can't camp there. I guess you can kind of camp out in, in a tent. You can kind of bivouac there. 
Uh, I guess some of the rock climbers do that. But uh, there's also like another spot, the area we camped was this campground called Skull Hollow, which is about <clears throat> maybe five miles away or so. It's really not too, too far of a drive, but yeah, hop in the car, go around the mountain. And then on the back side of that, you can uh, you can hang out and set up a camp. I think it's the, the area we were at was uh, probably, I guess I guess it's BLM. Maybe it's uh, like State Forest or something still. Uh, but it was dispersed camping areas, so you can kind of drive up this road, pull out on the side, then kind of walk your tent over and, uh, you know, just a couple of feet and set it up, hang out. It was all free. And, you know, you're just sitting out there in the uh, in the scrub of the, the sagebrush and on some lumpy ground. And I think there's, like, open-range cattle that walk through there, too. Other times we'd camped there in the past. I think Marina and I had, had been there maybe years ago. And we had camped uh, just a couple spots out from the place that we were this weekend. We put up the tent, hung out there, had the car uh, parked there. And then uh, that morning we woke up in the tent. We could hear like a bunch of big footsteps around and sounds and animals. And we were thinking, oh, man, that's weird. And we unzipped the, the screen on the tent, looked outside, and we were surrounded by cows. Pretty wild. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I don't know. The cows, uh, cows just kind of walked through in their little group during the night or during the morning. And uh, ended up in the acreage around where we were. Yeah, kind of cool about open range cattle and stuff. But it was fun hanging out over there. Um, yeah, checking out the Skull Hollow campground was cool. Getting our, our camp set up over there was cool. Had a couple tents going. And uh, yeah, uh, took off, uh, went over to Smith Rock, did the, the hiking trip over there. That was pretty cool. That's where we did some of our photo stuff. Most of the hike was like kind of a uh, just cool afternoon hike. It's really a great one because it's, it's a couple miles. It's definitely challenging. If you're not super used to hiking, um, yeah, you, you you could do it, but you could you should train train up for it a little bit, or not train up for it, but you know, get ready. I got I don't know, I blistered up my feet. I got some hot spots and stuff. So it's it's like maybe is it three miles, four miles? I'm not sure. It takes about four hours or so if you're kind of taking like an average sort of mellow pace through it. But it's cool. You know, like the lower part, you know, goes around like the Crooked River. Maybe it's only two hours. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, we went around the lower part, around the Crooked River, uh, which is really cool how, how the, the way that the area was formed is really like if you kind of look at it from the outside, maybe the ranch land that's all surrounding it is it's pretty high or it's higher in elevation. It's just kind of this this flatter area. And then it comes up to the Crooked River where it drops off into this Rim Rock Canyon. And then Smith Rock is, is the volcanic uh remnant that's been left there as the erosion of the river is kind of wrapped by it and, and pulled away all the sediment that was there that would just kind of make it look like an average boring hillside and so now you have these uh these really exposed like uh i don't know vivid kind of crisp volcanic rocks that are uh you know, just alien to the activity that we see in erosion commonly across the earth here so smith rock yeah pretty cool uh, pretty unique kind of spot to go hike around at um, but yeah really fun to, to kind of jump in there really interesting kind of spot to be yeah, I did the hike around the Crooked River side up to the the back side where like monkey faces. That was really cool. We went with a couple of people that hadn't been there before, so we got to kind of show them that that area for the first time. And then, yeah, monkey face is such a cool phenomenon because really, when you come around that corner, it does anthrop is it anthropomorphically? I guess it's animal. Yeah, anthropomorphically look like and like a. Oh, that's when you make an animal a person, right? When is it when you make a rock an animal? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that word, but uh, it looks like a monkey. It just looks like a monkey's face. That's why it's called monkey face. No way. So, um, so yeah, we uh, hiked around that spire of monkey face and started going up the Misery Ridge Trail. It's just a bunch of switchbacks to kind of get you up in elevation to get you to the top of the uh, the Smith Rock 
rock there and uh, yeah walked around the top there for a bit and then hiked down the back side of it uh yeah really cool spot to to check out over on the smith rock side there's a bunch of other uh, camping and hiking and stuff you can kind of do there other than just the the top over loop of the trail but there's uh, there's other trails that kind of go around the east side of the park that's got some really cool stuff and then we're just talking about hiking and taking pictures and stuff a little bit so far but really the cool thing there is all the rock climbing stuff that you do all the the sport climbing that goes on and uh, and i think that's really cool we, there's there's a there's really a lot more hikers there today than there were um than there were sport climbers there's there's definitely like a handful of people that were out there but i didn't see <clears throat> and it's probably because the conditions were i think scheduled to be pretty bad like uh i think it's supposed to be raining a lot of the day so i don't think a lot of people probably set up their uh their rock climbing rigs for a day in the rain but um but I've definitely seen people there in, in really odd times of the year, like uh, you know, super early March, middle of the winter, um, early April and stuff. Maybe there's better times of the year to uh, to do some of the, the types of climbs and stuff. But, yeah, I was, I was hoping to find some people doing, like, a multi-pitch climb. I remember seeing that a couple of years ago on one of the surfaces where you're just thinking, like, wow, those people are hundreds of feet up. That means they, like, they had to bring their rope up once and then pull it all up and then lead climb it again and then, like, belay. It's just like, wow, how do you do that? That's so wild. So yeah, really scary. Uh, kind of interesting stuff how they do all the uh, all the rock climbing stuff. But uh, but man, I wish I I wish I knew a little bit more about it. I got into it kind of um, what it, I don't know. It's, it, I guess it'd be like gym sport climbing for weeks, not not months even. And uh, it's fun. It's fun to check out. Fun to learn about. But man, like being on the rock over at Smith Rock is a lot different. I got to go climb over there one time years ago and just like getting on the rock and trying to like feel out the routes and stuff is so much different than kind of going for that hold on the wall and the, and the rock gym and stuff. It was just really interesting kind of getting that experience of being hot and cold and having all your like outdoor gear on and stuff. And, you know, you're just kind of exposed to the wind and the elements and stuff. And then you're also trying to like pull up this, pull up this mountainside too at the same time. So it's kind of fun. It's uh, it's cool getting used to I don't know, trying to rock climb stuff, but, uh, but man, yeah, interesting, uh, doing the climb and being belayed and, uh, and doing all that stuff. But as photo stuff goes, we did a couple, a couple 360 things. That was kind of cool going over to Smith Rock and shooting. I've been trying to get into some 360 photo work where, um, I, last year we did like a lot of, uh, a lot of video clips, which is really cool. I really like those, uh, those stock video clips that we produced in a lot of places. And we, and we shot a ton of photos too, which is awesome. But, uh, but now I'm also trying to get into, um, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of pieces where we can well I want to try and get the f I want to try and get like collections of photos and then I'm start starting to learn about where you can put these in like virtual tours so you can put maybe four or five or I don't know whatever it would take you know but you, you kind of go to the specific spots in a, in a location or something and then you uh, you get the 360 photograph and then you can kind of uh, piece those together as a tour so you can go from one 360 to the next 360 and sort of this immersion well so I'm uh, trying to check that out, trying to learn about if uh, if that'll work for me very well. But uh, but yeah, I'm trying to do some 360 photo stuff where uh, yeah, you take the photo, then you pull it into Affinity Photo. That's another program. Um, I'm using it on the Mac right now. I think it's available on PC as well. It's sort of a Photoshop competitor. You can buy it outright. I think for maybe seventy nine dollars or something like that. It's it's really not as expensive as the the Creative Cloud purchases for a uh, continuation. But the reason I guess I bring up Affinity Photos, it's kind of noted as one of the better tools right now to project your stitched 360 photo as an equal equi rectilinear projection uh, in the program and then you can still use the editing programs in the program so um so like um i guess like the new final cut pro has an ability to to project the 360 photograph 
while you're editing it so you can add in new materials to it like um, I don't know like just plates of information that'll stay up in the 360 space that you're at as you move through it it's interesting how it is you can kind of stitch things into the fabric of the scene uh, within Final Cut in the video and you can heal your nadir point so at the base of you is your nadir at the top of you is your zenith point so at the, at the nadir point in a 360 photograph is where that tripod is going to be or where you are going to be you know the photographer is going to be below it sort of a thing so um so that's kind of a i don't know an interesting part of it where you got to kind of go through and i guess this is what affinity is for is you open up the photo after it's stitched you open it in affinity and then you can go down and heal out the the base there where your tripod was or where um the person was that was taking the picture and then you can have this kind of full uh, 360 photograph without kind of a, a block at the bottom that's uh that's just a couple people so yeah it's kind of cool so i'm trying to open it up in affinity and do a couple color adjustments to it which is cool that you can go through and do um do kind of like post color correction stuff to uh, some of the photographs you can kind of do that with the 360 video but you also kind of can't do it with the 360 video as well you can kind of add some well you can add color correction like you can in, in final cut but it's it's really not the same as photo editing i guess you know obviously but it's kind of cool. We've been having a good time trying to edit together those uh, those 360 photos. I'm trying to go through a bunch of the photos that I had taken last year as well and put those together. And I hope to, well, I don't know, what is it? Um, what is that 361? Oh, it's skipping my mind right now. There's like this uh, 360 VR. I think it's VR, VR. And uh, it's sort of like a YouTube channel for 360 videos and stuff. YouTube also takes 360s as well as a bunch of other places. But uh, it's yeah, it's kind of a cool uh, little photo and uh, video sharing site for 360 content um, and, and social networking app and all that you know kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, but I put some stuff up there, and that's where kind of people that are specifically interested in, in looking at uh, 360 images and content would go. Um, but yeah, it's a smaller site. It's kind of fun. So yeah. 360 stuff, uh, some photo stuff, had the Canon equipment out there. I was trying to take some landscape photos. It was cool um, that the, the weekend weather was, I think like I had mentioned, there was kind of a forecast to rain. Uh, really, that was like some thunderstorms that were blowing across the Cascades. I think there was just a bigger weather system overall this weekend. Uh, not to mention the Perseids, which I should get back to on another podcast. That was probably this, but they got kind of clouded out for me. Shoot, I want to see some meteor showers. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not talking about the Perseids, but uh, I guess kind of going back, um, oh, I don't know, just the camping stuff. It was cool. We were really happy that we got to go out and uh, and do the camping stuff. Um, sorry that we didn't get to see the Perseids, but uh, I don't know, I guess we're camping out and stuff, so that was pretty cool. It was thunderstorms that rolled over the Cascades, and uh, then we had these big thunderheads. And we were really fortunate that I guess the big system, which I looked really active, I, I pulled up the weather map on uh, on Dark Sky, the, the weather app that I have on my phone. And you can see just this big red hot spot, maybe 25 miles or 30 miles to the northeast of us. Uh, and it, I don't know, it's probably just, you know, a ton of rain, a ton of hail, a ton of lightning. So really glad we didn't get uh, wiped over by that. That's pretty cool. But uh, but really, yeah, it was, it was a cool kind of textured night where uh, there was just a lot of clouds and uh, like a lot of kind of uh, thunderstorms and stuff. It's cool that the, the airplanes were kind of coming in real low. They had to go around around this huge thunderstorm system, so they were coming in real low and kind of making these uh, sort of strange uh, routes. But it's just kind of fun to see that. I remember seeing that a couple other times in the past when uh, thunderstorms would come in and, and airlines would have to take uh, just these kind of big alternate routes to get around those uh, those thunderstorm cells. 
so that was kind of kind of cool checking out. We were taking pictures of it as the sun was going down. There's a rainbow kind of right as the evening was coming coming to a close of our camp. So it was pretty fun. Got some cool pictures of that, and that's what I love. I love that that time of uh, a day, or you know, right at the end of the day. There's a certain type of lighting effect that happens when there's really like mostly clouds over the sky, but right as the evening, the the western sky has a gap where it's clear, and the sun is able to shine through that pocket there, and you get a lot of light that bounces back between the cloud surface above you and the ground below you, uh, where you're kind of in this little pocket where it just sort of it sort of re um, reflects against itself. But you get this kind of warmer, sort of diffused tone around everything. It kind of changes the way the shadows are. It's different than overcast, you know, where you, you, you get a diffusion of the shadows. But this one, you get a really crisp, kind of saturated quality to the light. And it's a lot better than, I think, the, um, the softer sort of white light that you get in the diffused circumstances of, uh, of overcast days. But yeah, you get a lot of cool, kind of rich contrast in those landscape photos with that kind of lighting condition sort of during that golden hour time with the right kind of cloud effect and stuff really beautiful really soft uh, kind of easy to expose for photography kind of light so yeah beautiful spot to be uh, really kind of surreal colorful looking uh, location and evening and, and yeah fun hanging out watching the thunderstorms camping out getting rained on <laughs> maybe getting hailed on a little bit uh, all part of the experience of, of being outside being in eastern oregon definitely got a little sunburn uh, sore all the rest of it. But, uh, but yeah, good going out and, and camping out and stuff. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. Hey, how's it going? This is Billy Newman from billynewmanphoto.com. And today I'm going to try and walk through, if I can remember, how to do a resize from terminal. And I thought this was kind of a cool trick when I figured it out for the first time, but uh, it's using the SIPS command in Terminal. And I think this is part of just about every Mac as it comes. Um, and so it's pretty easy to use. I was pretty surprised like uh, that you can do some powerful things like this in Terminal. And there's really like a lot of batch processing that you can do with a handful of files all at one time. And I thought that was uh, something that was kind of worth checking out. So in Terminal, if uh, you see the screen up here, what we're going to do is try and check out the photograph that we have in the thumbnail on the side. And there's a lot of software ways you can do this. Like if we jumped into to like Photoshop or some other tool like that to do a resize of a JPEG, but it can do a lot of stuff with a lot of different file types too. So it's, it's kind of interesting the, uh, the stuff it can do. So um, the SIPS command is kind of neat, but it, I think if you type in man for the manual and then SIPS, you'll pull up the, uh, the manual full it for it and you'll be able to check out like a few different uh, parts of some of the commands I can do and what some of the modifiers are on the side of it. Some parts of it way beyond me. But for this part, um, I'm going to navigate over to uh, the directory where that image is stored and then I'm going to try and do a resize of it. So I think right now we're going to go to this folder that we have here over on the desktop. So from the terminal, we're going to want to jump over to, I guess, that directory over there. So right now I think I'm in like this, the 
I don't know, whatever, like my user directory is. So I'm going to do uh, a CD desktop. I'm going to jump over there. I'm going to see what files I have there. And then I think I'm going to jump to this folder called resize, right? So I'm going to do CD and then resize. So when I get in there, what I want to see is um, that I have just this one file in here, that one JPEG that we also see over here on the screen that we see in this uh, over here. Now, right now, as we look down here, it's like 47.6 megabytes. And that's like a gajillion. Ah, oh, man, it just seems like a ton of megapixels. I'd never believe that years ago. So we're in the file over here in terminal. And what we're going to do now is run uh, the sips command on that file. So I think it's sips and then a Z for like all files in that directory. And then this number here is like 2,500, which is like the pixel size that we're going to resize it to for the long edge. So I think that's going to change this uh, like 7,356 number to 2,500 for the long edge of this JPEG file resize that we're going to do. And the star, I think, means uh, to do it to all the files. Hey, you got me, but we're going to run this anyway. Here we go. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, so I did a little bit of that, whatever that tells us. All right, now what do we got going on? So we have the same folder there. Let's open, what's it called even? Oh, whoa, look at that. Now it's 843 kilobytes. And I believe it's resized kind of the way that we thought it would be. There's the image in full there. Whoa, resized down from whatever giant size it was. And yeah, now. 843. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there. Some stuff on the homepage. Some good links to other other outbound sources. Some, some links to books. Some links to some podcasts. Links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.